Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. Hey. Hey. <laughs> you got back from vacation? I did. All in one piece? That's All good. in one piece. It was wonderful. Did you enjoy some sunshine? and? Yeah, up north sunshine. Ooh. So it's a little cooler, but still warm and still summery and just wonderful. Yeah. That, that good time away. Yes. I think is so important. Yeah. Just to decompress. Yeah. So. Did you have some good food on vacation? I'm a foodie. Yes. So, like, yes. what was the best thing you ate? Uh, up there, it's the whitefish. It's all about mm. the whitefish. And so uh, we did have a couple really good fish meals. Trying to think. And the funniest thing I thought what up there is every place, this is in Michigan, it's like there's pizza everywhere. That's funny. There's the one place at our place we were staying that is open all the time you can get pizza anytime you want and then we go to a a beer brewery sorry (laughs) and they had beer or and pizza and that that was all that was on their menu wow and everywhere i went i swear there was pizza on the menu (laughs) so i'm over it i'm over pizza pizza for now (laughs) so when you go on vacation do you count calories i do not does anyone I think that leads well into today's episode. We're going to talk about calories and specifically calories in and calories calories out. (laughs) Right. And it's one of those things that I think is a little misunderstood by dietitians, by the general public. And I think it's really important to understand what makes up the calories that you take in and more importantly, what makes up calories that go out. So stay tuned. Calories in, calories out. I had no idea. I started doing some looking into this. And did you know this is actually a diet, in quotation marks here, that's out there. It's literally called the calories in, calories out approach. I should probably have just written this and then (laughs) I could be rich and famous. (laughs) Well, could you, though? Right, I guess. I mean, you know, but the thing about it is it's, it's, there's... When you talk about that calories in, calories out, that is something that dietitians are trained to teach in school. Maybe not... Trained to understand. Right. And trained to work with our clients. Right. That is, it does come down to calories. I mean, no matter what we talk about, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, protein is great, but if you eat an excess of protein, (laughs) you will gain weight. Yeah. Nuts are very healthy for you, Mm -hmm. but in portions that are reasonable because they're quite calorically dense. They're nutrient dense, but they're also calorie dense. Interesting side note, as I was researching this, they were talking about nuts and the digestion of nuts may not be as calorically dense as, like we may not absorb as many Hmm. of those calories from things like nuts as we do from other foods. So that's kind of a spoiler alert of where we may be going here with this. Right. it's interesting. So if we think about calories in, calories out, let's first of all talk about what is a calorie. Right. So calorie is, I mean, technically, you want to talk about? Like, yeah. I mean, it's a unit of energy. Sure. It's right. a unit of energy. I've seen a meme now that makes me laugh that says it's not the things that come at night and sew your pants a little bit tighter. That's not what calories are. <laughs> but that's what sometimes they can feel like, right? right? Yeah. But it's a unit of energy. Right. And... Spoiler, too, the calorie counts on food products 
have a grace up and down. There's sure. not, you know, it always cracks me up when I say something is 150 calories, like right on the nose, right. a cup of cereal. Right. No, it's probably within 5, 10, maybe even sure. farther calories where there's a little bit of a grace. Depending know. on your cup, too, that you measure, it's not a, you know, unless you're actually measuring the ounces. Right, <laughs> right. And so, the, you know, the thing about it is, is that calories are necessary, we must have them Correct. in our diets. We must be cognizant of calories in terms mm-hmm. of what we're eating, independent of, you know, the other macronutrients, the, the, the carbohydrates, the protein and fat that people right. tend to focus on now. Um, right. And I've even seen this in some sort of like some of the keto circles and things like that, that calories don't matter. Right. It's all about reducing those carbs. Right. But I think if we did a food diary for folks who are eating that very high fat diet, we would find they're actually cutting their calories because it's just not a very interesting diet in a lot of ways sometimes. Right. Right. They're actually eating less because what they're eating is so filling that Mm -hmm. they are not hungry. Right. So this is... This is such a complicated topic. We may take two right. times to talk about this right. today. But let's let's think about this. So, yeah, so if you ultimately it's down to calories in and calories out, but it's just not as easy as you might hear and what I'm see- what I was seeing on the internet. It's right. just a very simple, well, it's your calories in versus calories out and you want to eat Obviously, when you're looking at that equation, you know, if you consume more food than you need, calories in, then the excess gets turned to energy or extra, or, sorry, it turns into extra weight. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, if you burn more calories than you consume, your calories out, then you, you burn stored body fat or energy, and then you end up losing weight. So that seems really intuitive. Sure. Because you think, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of an oversimplification. It is. And here's the problem is because we are in a society that more is always better. Right. So, right, a bigger deficit is always better. So let's talk about that deficit. Okay. How do we get, so like, let's say I'm a client coming to you and I say I would like to lose 15 pounds by, I don't know, mid-October. So a very mm-hmm. reasonable period of time. Okay. Because this is July. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about a deficit, what goes into making up my calorie burn every day? Okay. So the first thing dietitians are going to do is they're going to take a look at you and they're going to say, this is how many calories you need in a day. And what they do is they start by calculating your basal metabolic rate. So what is that? It's BMR and basal metabolic rate is the rate at which you burn calories if you basically didn't do anything all day and you didn't eat. Right. It's your basic baseline. Your body will burn this many calories if you do nothing. And that's, that's the way I like to describe it. And and not like, oh, I didn't work out, but like just performing basic body functions. Respiration Correct. and your heart beating and your brain functioning and all of those types of things. We're not talking, well, I just laid around on the couch. We're talking about like nothing. Right. Except, Except like, laying on right, the couch right. and breathing and right. doing what you normally do because when you eat food 
there is calorie burn that happens. Mm -hmm. So you actually increase the amount of calories that you need in a day when mm -hmm. you eat food. Right. And we'll talk cool? about that in a second. Yeah. So <laughs> if that's my basal metabolic rate, yes. how did you determine that as the dietitian or as Very good a question. popular app might? Sure. <laughs> so there are a few formulas around that we have used. Uh, the most dietitians probably are using the Mifflin St. Joe. That's, that's what, what I, I use. That's what okay. I use. Yeah. There's a couple others out there, but basically we use this formula that calculates your resting metabolic rate. Remember, it's not measuring your resting metabolic rate, it's calculating. And it does that by uh, taking into account your age, your height, your weight, mm -hmm. and whether or not you're a male or a female, because right. there's differences there in terms of metabolic and the energy burn that we do. So I think it's interesting that you said weight, mm -hmm. because this is something that I think is a dietitian secret. <laughs> if you have more pounds, if you have a larger body size, you actually have a higher resting, resting, <laughs> resting metabolic rate than somebody who's in a smaller body. Correct. It's not the other way around. Right. No, the more weight you have, the more metabolically active it is right. and the more calories you need. That's why the weight is in that formula. Absolutely. And so folks who maybe, you know, have, you know, a, a, quite a bit of weight to lose, mm -hmm. when they go, and we'll talk about this, when they go too low, they actually go below their resting metabolic rate. Right. And then we get into trouble. We get into trouble. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and some, unfortunately, some healthcare professionals, sometimes physicians too, may put patients on some arbitrary low calorie number. Some websites too. Right. Because they don't <laughs> think about that. Yes. So weight, height, age are all in that calculation. Now you Correct. mentioned already, this is not measuring their metabolic rate. How do we do that? Well, there are ways that you can actually measure somebody's metabolic rate. Right. And... Yeah. It's a metabolic cart, and right. it's not easy to do. And no, it's, you're not doing this at home. Right. And right. if you have some, I mean, I know there are some handheld devices that will, you know, but I don't know the varying levels of accuracy. Right. If you go to a health fair, somebody might hand you a device and say, oh, let's measure your metabolic rate. But again. It's not measuring. I've never seen them where you're handheld, like, for metabolic rate. I have seen where you breathe. If yeah. you're breathing into some, so what mm -hmm. they do is. For a true metabolic rate measurement, mm -hmm. they would be having you breathe into something. Right. They're not having you hold something. Right. If they're having you hold something and they're telling you your metabolic rate, right. they're not. Right. They're doing it based on a formula. And when you come in to do that, I've, I've watched this testing a handful <laughs> of times, uh -huh. and people are, have to be fasted. You yep. know, you can't have anything to eat because we're going to talk about what role food plays here right. in just a second. Yeah. <laughs> So when we talk about these calculations that the dietitian may do or your app might do or your website might do to come up with your resting metabolic rate, mm -hmm. it's an estimate. It's an and estimate. And it can vary by 20%. Yes, that's what we find in most research. Right. It could be off by as much as 20% up or down. <laughs> so, so this is not gospel. No, it's you not. You know, if your resting metabolic rate is 600, 16, or 1,696 calories... Probably not. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it could be 1,800. It could be 1,500. Who knows? Right. I it's think, all an estimation. Right. And right. I think most of us dietitians understand that and realize that. And maybe sometimes we forget that. And I think it's very important to tell your clients that, hey, I'm just, this is an estimate. So what I'm, what, if we do work and 
focus on calories, then I will, and we don't always, I don't always with my clients, but if we do focus on calories, I let them know this is going to be a game we're going to play and we're going to see what we need to do. You know, it's just an estimate. Right. Yeah. So you have that basal metabolic rate. So what role does food play then? Because this is the biggest, to me, this is one of the things that I think patients who or, or clients who skip meals miss out on some right. of this right. when they're, mis- they're missing meals. I believe it's a 10% increase from baseline for consuming food. So if you're looking this up, estimate. if you're looking this up, sometimes you'll see it as the thermic effect of food. Correct. But it, <laughs> believe it or not, it actually takes cal- calories for your body to digest right. food. Yeah. So this is not talking about something like negative calorie foods. I've seen things like celery. Oh, yeah. and, like that's just all crap. Right. But, but we're talking about it actually takes energy for your body to process food. Right. It takes calories. Exactly. To process calories. Isn't and that so funny? Whatever that number is for your baseline number, you're going to add 10% just for the fact that you eat. Right. So let's say, for example, that you your basal metabolic rate is 1,700 calories. Okay, so now we're adding 170 calories just for the thermic effect of food. Correct. Not optional. You do have to eat. Right. (laughs) So, and that doesn't even include the fact that we actually are not going to be laying in our bed all day. Right. So let's talk about activity. Yes. Purposeful activity like going to the gym versus just being up around your house and taking care of things. Yeah. Depending on that activity level, your dietitian will add in what we call an activity factor. And so that activity factor, for somebody who's sedentary and not very active, not exercising at all, use about a 1.1 mm-hmm. So you take that factor. basic meta- basal metabolic rate, mm-hmm. add the food, and then uh, multiply it by 1.1. Correct. Yes. So here's a question. We talk about somebody who's not very active or that word sedentary. How do you define sedentary with your clients? For me, it's somebody who's not doing any physical activity. Um, and that's really hard because sometimes when I really talk to somebody, they could be cleaning their house and that could be pretty active. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm I'm counting activity, but we do get kind of used to certain activities. This is why this calories in and calories out is so complicated and tricky. I mean, we're not even, we're just trying to describe the calories in, how to come up with that number. And so, yeah, I, for 1.1, I'm thinking that person pretty much is at a desk job and outside of some very light cleaning or something like that, they're that's that's what I would use. Right. So how would you describe something? And this is something if you are using an app mm-hmm. to determine your calorie needs, it will often ask you, are you lightly active, moderately active, or very active? Correct. And I sometimes struggle a little bit with that, thinking, well, I know I'm not lightly active. Yeah. Because I do exercise, mm-hmm. you know, purposefully seven days a week. Yep. But would I be considering myself very active? I don't know. You know, so yeah. how do you help determine that line for your clients? That's where I'm digging down and asking, well, okay, when you're doing your activity, is it, it really comes down to that moderate or intense. Would you describe your 
exertion Mm -hmm. in your workout. Like sometimes I'll have people rated on a scale of one to 10, Mm -hmm. you know, where are you at in terms of how intense is it? 10 being, I can't do this another minute. Mm -hmm. One or zero being, it's like laying on the couch all day. Right. You know, so tell me about how intense the workout is. So someone who's really intense, but only getting it in once or twice a day, I consider that moderate activity. Mm -hmm. So, and then, but somebody who's doing moderate activity five days a week, I consider that moderate activity. Right. So let's say, for example, you had somebody who was, had a a pretty active job. Let's Mm -hmm. say they're stocking shelves or they're working outside or they're a landscaper. Mm -hmm. They may have some sort of kind of a baseline moderate activity just from their job. Exactly. And then if they go home and run a couple of miles, I consider that person very active. I do too. Because that's, you know, somebody who is, you know, it's a little different than somebody who is perhaps doing data entry or sitting at a computer all Mm -hmm. day. Unfortunately, sometimes like I am. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of the reasons I do like my step counter because Mm -hmm. it does remind me to get up and move around. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that's the only reason I like it. But, you know, (laughs) I think there's a a difference between somebody doing that and then going to the gym for an hour and then coming home and sitting on the couch the rest of the night. Right. There's a oh, big difference absolutely. between that. Yeah. Yes. So then, or maybe somebody who comes home after they've been to the gym and then cleans their house and runs after their kids in the yard right. and gardens. Non-stop. That's right. It's kind of a non-stop person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's where it is difficult to come up with that activity factor. And I think it just takes practice as a dietitian. And the more right. you kind of, and again, you're just kind of taking a stab at it to me and figuring out what it is. And just keep this in mind. If you do a metabolic test and they estimate your resting metabolic rate, there's still this wiggle room of what we're talking about right now with Mm -hmm. activity factor. Right. You still have to kind of figure out, well, what is the activity factor? Right. So once you've determined all that, and you Uh can say, so you have this this piece of the, like three pieces of the pie here. Mm -hmm. So you have that basal metabolic rate, you Mm -hmm. have the thermic effect of food, and now Mm -hmm. you have physical activity on top of that. Mm -hmm. Now, as I'm your client, I'm saying, I want to lose X amount of pounds, 15 pounds by the middle of October, so uh-huh. three months away. Okay. What kind of deficit do I need to create for myself? And okay. why is it not that simple? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So first of all, before I get to that deficit, let me just say and, and do one little caveat here. There's also, if somebody has a broken bone or mm-hmm. an injury of some kind that they're trying to heal, mm-hmm. then... Their activity factor might be lower, but they're going to have a higher number because of that injury factor. So dietitians will take that into account as well. Just saying that. Uh, So keep that in mind, too, if you're doing your own calculations Mm -hmm. is, you know, are you trying to heal something? I do this for patients in the hospital. If I'm seeing a patient with a hip fracture, I'm talking about extra calories and protein because there's some stuff that's got to get healed. Exactly. And if we cut calories at that time, it's not going to heal. Right. Right. And that's your Yeah, your body processes. So you're going to have a higher need at that point. Okay, so deficit. So how many calories do you need to create a deficit for to see weight loss? Right. (laughs) Let's, Let's talk about, in order to see a one pound weight loss, that's a deficit of 3,500 calories. Right. Okay, that's pretty, it's pretty much where we go. And and again, there's probably a little bit of wiggle room in that per person. But generally speaking, 3,500 calorie deficit will equal a pound of 
of weight loss. Most of us don't need more than about, you know, for women, 1,800, 2,000 calories a day, mm-hmm. uh, men, 2,500 calories a day. Unless you're very active. If, if you're you know, one of the Olympic athletes right, right. that are working out right now, possibly right. we could get up to or needing 3,500 calories right. a day. Or if you're actively training for a marathon or something right. like that, run high, right. you know, high and mileage weeks. Ev- like, yeah. Right. But the thing is, you're to create a deficit of 3,500 calories in one day is impossible, That's right. basically is what I'm trying to say. Right. So if you lose a pound overnight... Yeah. <laughs> probably not it, an actual pound. Right. Right. As so, excited as you might be when you step on that right. scale. Or if you're losing 10 pounds <laughs> on a week on the first week of your low-carb diet, got newsflash, that is not 10 pounds it's of fat not, as much as we would like it to be. Right. And it's why weight loss slows down in that second, third, fourth week, especially yeah. on those types of diets, because... You've dumped You've all already, the water. Yeah. Right? right. Now we're trying to get into that deficit. Right. And it, it's a little more difficult. Right. All the ads that talk about losing a pound a day drive me crazy. Right. It's not physically possible. It's not possible. So what is possible, though, is creating a 500-calorie deficit mm-hmm. a day for seven days. That's going to equal 3,500 calories. Right. So in one week, it is possible to create deficits enough to lose a pound a week. Okay. So I signed up for a website. Yeah. I signed up for an app. Uh-huh. I, I didn't, but yeah. other people do. I signed up for a, a website that said, I need to be eating 1,250 calories a day to lose weight. And my resting metabolic rate, as we've already discussed, let's say, for example, is 1,800 calories. Mm-hmm. What happens? My first question to you is, did you have any say in the app as to how many calories you could create your deficit? Like, a lot of times those apps will ask you, do you want to lose a pound a week or do you want to lose two pounds a week? Well, it should never ask a woman if it wants to, if you want to lose two pounds a week. So why? Because there's... The deficit that you would create would definitely take you below that resting metabolic rate. Right. Okay. But what's the problem with that? Okay. Right? Well, it seems the problem with creating and bringing your your calories in to less than what your basal metabolic rate is, is it's going to start, your body is an amazing adjusting machine and it will start coming down to that number. Which means that you need less and less calories to eat. Right. Who wants that? Right. If your resting <laughs> metabolic rate is 1,700 calories and you're eating 1,100 calories or 1,000 calories, right. your body will come and meet you right. and say, okay, well, this is what I'm getting, so I'm going to slow down other processes. I'm going to slow down calorie burn. I'm going to I'm going to make your workouts not go very well right. because you're not getting enough nutrition. Right. I'm going to go after your lean body mass. Yes. Because I need something to live on. Right. If you do it for extended periods of time, you run that risk. Right. You know, it's not about lower is better. And this is something that I think patients and clients really struggle with. Yes. They feel like it's a race to the bottom. Right. How few calories can they eat? to lose the weight they want to lose quickly. Mm -hmm. And again, if you have a website that's guaranteeing you two to three pounds of weight loss a week, mm -mm. it's it's not scientifically based. Right. 
It's yeah. getting you to pay for some results that are going to come pretty quick and then they're going to go away. So this is just, yeah, to, to reiterate what you just said, it's just, it's such, it drives me crazy that websites are being re- irresponsible enough to promote these things mm-hmm. and let people do these things. Right. It, it should just shouldn't happen. I've had clients say, you know, this particular app told me I should be eating 1,200 calories a day. I, you know, this doesn't, I, I can't do this. Right. I feel discouraged. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't keep my calories this low. I'm miserable. My right. workouts are suffering. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm active six days a week and I can hardly get up and get moving around right. because I'm so tired and hungry. Right. Yeah. You're not eating enough. Right. And, you know, I think the, the whole concept, like, is starvation mode a real thing? Mm-hmm. I think it kind of is. I do, too. And because I've had experiences with clients, and I know you have, you have shared with me before, where if they eat a little bit more, all of a sudden, magically, things start to turn around. Right. Yeah. It's not, well, it is not magic, but it, it's it not feels magic. like it's magic. It's, it's amazing because the body is good at adapting. So, fortunately... What we find to be true most of the time is if you eat more, you can actually bring your metabolism back up. Right. Now, I I get this question a lot. How can I increase my metabolism? You can't increase it drastically. Right. You can't go from, you know, a basal metabolic rate of 1,700 calories a day to 2,700 calories a day by doing something magical. That's not the way it works. Um, You know, you have, you, you can adjust it bits and pieces. Yeah. I think that's where I I see a lot on this set point theory. Right. Like our bodies kind of have uh, where it wants to be in terms of calorie burn. Right. And it likes to live in that like bubble of where calories burn. And that's why I tell people you're actually better off creating that smaller deficit to the body because it kind of tricks the body and it's not as noticeable to it because it's fighting against what the body wants. I'm glad you brought that up because we talk about, you know, how things change when people lose weight. Do you remember the show The Biggest Loser? Yes. So they have done studies um, on people who participated in The Biggest Loser. Yeah. They've got some long-term studies now that are I th- out there. I think I'll put a link. I think it's Kevin Hall who did mm. the one on on the participants. And what they found is that the participants who created this very large calorie deficit, because that's what they were told to do, mm-hmm. and that's what they had to do to participate in the show, and that's the workouts that they participated in uh-huh. that were too intense for the calories that they, you know, were eating, mm-hmm. ended up lowering their metabolic rate at the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> and in time, after being measured in a few years after the show, in many cases, their metabolic rate did not did recover. Not recover. Did I not know. recover. And so what happened, you know, I, what, I've seen what the, the, the phrase, have you noticed the biggest losers are not having a reunion show? <laughs> because yeah. people were put in way too much of a calorie right. deficit for entertainment. I understand that, you yeah. know, or inspiration or whatever people took right. from that show. Right. And and then they gained it back. Yeah, unfortunately. In most cases. In most I mean, cases some, they did. You know, some people were able to maintain, but they're probably right. working pretty hard to do it. But right. people who went back to, like, trying to live a normal life... Right. Even if they were like, right. even if they were not like overeating necessarily, mm-hmm. but just going back to like life. Yeah. Out of that 
biggest loser bubble mm-hmm. put on that weight again. Right. Because they had lowered their metabolic rate and in some cases to the point where it was looks like it may be somewhat permanent. <laughs> yeah. So be aware of that. As much as, you know, fast weight loss mm-hmm. is fun, I get right. it. Right. I get it. You know, that's fun oh, yeah. to see the, the, the scale down, the down quickly. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. And buying it's... new clothes or whatever. The faster you do it, the less likely you are to keep it off. Right. Yep. You didn't gain it overnight. I right. I, I get that all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you really didn't. I mean, right. I you didn't. say, well, I gained 10 pounds on the cruise. Right. But no, you really didn't. Right. You know, unless you ate 35,000 calories exactly. more than you burned, you unlikely did not gain 10 pounds on your cruise. You're right. probably holding your salt and water and alcohol and right. all those types of things. And you go home to your normal, healthier habits. Right. And it will come, come off. off. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So I'm so glad. Yeah, you said that because it is uh, just like it's 3,500 calories to create a deficit and to create weight loss. It's actually 3,500 calories to gain weight too. Right. And that's a misconception. Anybody who's ever tried to have to try to gain weight knows how difficult it is too. Right. It's difficult both ways. Right. You know, I always say there's people who are kind of like hard gainers. Mm -hmm. It takes them a while to gain weight. Yeah. And this is something that, too, is, you know, it's not something to be jealous of. If you have a (laughs) friend who's, it's hard for them to gain weight. They may have a reason they They need to gain weight. They do really struggle. Yeah. I think the other thing to remember is as you lose weight, your hunger hormones respond. Right. Your body's going to work against you. It really is. This is biology. And this is something that, again, I think people, when they lose weight and then they can't keep it off, get very hard on themselves Yeah. and think, what am I doing wrong? I've done it. What am I doing wrong that I can't keep Mm -hmm. this weight off? Well, what happens is your body adjusts your resting metabolic rate down. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You have to eat fewer calories to maintain the weight you've lost. And your hunger hormones go, "Uh uh-oh. What's we have a problem, right? right. So <laughs> you, alert, have, you, have, you have two hunger hormones. One's called ghrelin and one's mm-hmm. called leptin. Mm-hmm. Your leptin, which is your fullness hormone, goes down. And your hunger hormone, ghrelin, I always think grumbly, ghrelin. Uh-huh. You know, you go, right, right? it goes up. Uh-huh. And your body is trying to return you to that weight that you were. Right. So this is, so, like like last week, talk about willpower. <clears throat> this is not willpower. Right, right. <laughs> it's, so what it is is your mind is actually... Focused on food. Right. And focusing you on food. Right. And it's your home hormones that are making that happen. I had a great, uh, I I came across a great TED talk on this Mm -hmm. by a neuroscientist, and I will post it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. It's the best explanation of all of that that I've ever heard. So, well, and there have been many other studies like this. You know, Ansel Keys did the Minnesota Starvation Study, which mm-hmm. I think they just put a book out about this, which I've not read yet. Oh, talking about I think it's called the Science of Starvation or something like that, uh-huh. where volunteers, you know, young healthy men volunteered yeah. to essentially eat way fewer calories than they needed, not zero calories, but just mm-hmm. you know a certain percentage lower. Mm-hmm. And during this study their resting metabolic rates dropped. They became obsessed with food. And if you've ever been on a diet, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, some people will come to me and say, yeah, I can't stop thinking about food. But sometimes it manifests itself as I'm out of control with carbohydrates. Right. No. Yeah, no. 
Right. You're you not. know, sometimes you might even find yourself on a diet. And sometimes I can tell when friends are on a diet because their <laughs> Facebook feed turns into recipe land. <laughs> and then I think, yeah, they're probably really hungry. Right. Because you're thinking about food all the time. Right. And this is what happened in this study with Ansel Keys, where, you know, in fact, one of the guys, I think, wrote a cookbook during this period of time because he was so obsessed with food. And then when they were allowed to eat what they wanted at the end of the study, they overate to the point of becoming some of them physically sick Uh because they had their bodies were so starved for food. And again, this was not something where they were eating zero calories. This was, I think, not not a significant, not any worse than like a traditional diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 1,200 calories or whatever. Right. They overate when they were able to actually eat again. I would be interested to know if they did a long-term look at that Mm -hmm. and how that appetite and their basal metabolic rate responded to that. That's what I I think I would love to know more about as a dietitian is Mm -hmm. because people ask me this all the time. Okay, so... I have people coming to me for weight loss, and I'm like, we need to get you to eat more calories, you know. And, and saying, so, well, what are you doing? Why, why, why do I need to me? eat more calories? Right. So it's basically trying to get back up to that basal metabolic rate mm-hmm. and get you burning calories again. How long does it take for that metabolic rate to respond back the other way? Right. And I can't tell you that. Right. I've asked that in conferences before and things like that, and it just, what I've been told is it depends on how long you've been restricting right and so it could take a while right but it could also bounce back by the next time you see me and you could be loving me because you're eating more food and all of a sudden you're feeling better and your metabolic rate is responding you're realizing you know and and it's all working and you start seeing some changes on the scale finally. Right. But I'm not going to promise that you're going to lose more than a half a pound or a pound a week. Right. And if somebody's telling you that, they're not being truthful to you. No, they're not. That's what most dietitians know. Well, and I'd like to say that they're probably looking at your wallet more than you. Right. And thinking, what can we get from that person? Yeah. I want to talk more about this. I want to get into, again, more of this biology of weight loss yeah. because we talk about things like that 10% weight loss. Well, uh-huh. is that what we people should be shooting for? Maybe, maybe not. So let's talk more about that in, in the next episode. We're going to yep. talk also about calorie tracking. Is that something that people should be doing? Right. Is it helpful to everyone? Maybe there are folks that should not track calories. I think mm-hmm. I might fall into that category because I right. find myself under eating right. trying to stay under that level right are there um, different ways of doing the calories in and calories out that doesn't require your actually smartphone. tracking right your smartphone uh, yeah we'll find out more about that in our next episode if you have questions after today's episode or if you have something that you would like explained or if you have something that you want us to talk about in this follow-up episode we'd love to hear from you uh, you can reach us at dish at secretliferd.com you can reach us on instagram at the secret life dietitians You can also check out our website at secretliferd.com and we will see you next time wherever you get your podcasts.